Do you want to start at one end sure. and just walk all the way around? Okay, cool. And I'll just walk Today we're in Anaheim, way. California. I met up with a fellow researcher to get an update on one especially happy shopping district. Adina Hemley, I lead uh, retail research in Southern California. We're in downtown Disney. So uh, downtown Disney is a shopping district outside of Disneyland in Anaheim, uh, California. So it, it's basically a shopping district that spans between the Disneyland Hotel on one end, and then on the other end, you've got the entrance to California Adventure and uh, the original Disneyland. Is that, do I have it right? Um, this was built at the, at the same time as the California Adventure in 2001, and then the Disneyland was the first thing to be here in 1955. Downtown Disney is one of a handful of shopping centers around the world that's attached to one or more theme parks. The idea is to keep vacationers spending money even after they leave the theme park, with shopping, food, and drinks. But to grab all of those tourist dollars, you've got to keep the tenant mix fresh. I was excited for Adina to show me around what was new at Downtown Disney. So grab a churro and a Dole Whip, and let's go. You're listening to Where We Buy. It's the show about the things we buy and the places we buy them. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. This is the show where we talk with retail experts and visit shopping spots across the nation. We're standing right in front of what used to be the ESPN zone, um, which is not the ESPN zone anymore. Yeah, they closed this because they were going to build a hotel for Disneyland. They were going to close Earl of Sandwich, ESPN Zone, and the AMC theaters. Um, the city of Anaheim didn't give them the tax breaks that they were hoping for, so they shut down the project. The history of shopping centers and theme parks goes back at least to 1975 when Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village opened as a part of Disney World in Orlando. That project has since gone through many uh, redevelopments. It's now called Disney Springs. There are also similar shopping districts at Disney parks in Paris, Tokyo, and Shanghai. And back in Anaheim, Disney has yet to announce the full plans for the future of the area with that unrealized fourth hotel project. But some temporary plans have been announced. So they closed uh, the ESPN zone because they were planning to do a hotel, which eventually fell through. So I was trying to, I did a little research to find out what they're going to do with it. In the short term, um, they're going to be doing a pop-up. It's called Pop-Up Disney, a Mickey Celebration. And uh, it's interesting because I was in uh, meatpacking in New York recently, and that pop-up, that same pop-up was there at the time. And it's basically, all, they took all these modern artists, and they're interpreting uh, Disney in their own way. So I checked out a video online, and it's like a lot of cool installations and sculptures. Um, and it looks like a pretty hip spot, but anyway, I think they're going to do a pop-up in there for a while. So I think that's a short-term plan uh, for the ESPN zone. So we're walking past the uh, Lego store right now. And you, you've got kids, right? Yeah, I have three children. So are they Lego fans? Massive Lego fans. We actually just saw the Lego movie last week with, uh, with my four-year-olds, and he's a big fan of Emmett. Emmett's the main character in the Lego movie. 
Um, so I might actually buy something that Emmett themed at the Lego store. So the Lego store is sort of emblematic of uh, sort of entertainment based retail. Like if you think about the kind of tenant mix that they have here, they're clearly going for two things, food and beverage, and then sort of like an entertainment um, focused retail, like the Lego store. Um, Star Wars as well. Right. So up here we've got The Void. They've got their virtual reality Star Wars experience. Have you done that? I haven't. Uh, my my dad's a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm not necessarily. I would I would do it, but I have never done it in the past. <laughs> so I would I've I did it with several people who were not Star Wars fans, and they said they had a blast. It's so much fun. It's like being, you know, I tell people it's like being inside a Star Wars movie. We walked past Splitsville, which is a new two-story, forty thousand square foot, upscale bowling alley and restaurant that opened last year. And then up ahead, we saw the new Ballast Point Brewing Company. Well, I think they're starting to do a lot more adult things. They didn't used to have alcohol here. Now they have Ballast Point, which has been open one month. It took over the place of um, Build-A-Bear. And it's been doing really well. I've been there a couple times in this past month, and every single time it's been filled to capacity. So that's a great point. Think about you know, when they, uh, now, now that this district has been around for a while, they're, they're starting to retenant it. So they're taking something like a Build-A-Bear, which granted is an experiential retailer and is pretty interesting, but they're replacing it with a much more adult focused uh, Ballast Point brewery and kitchen. I have to admit, came in from my flight last night and I came over here and had dinner at Ballast Point. Um, it's pretty cool. Their food's great, and the beer is wonderful. They were bought out by Budweiser a couple years ago, and since then they've been on an expansion plan. Uh, they are wonderful. They're brewed out of San Diego originally, so we're very proud of them in California. So Ballast Point was one of the early pioneers in craft breweries in San Diego. I think they started in the 1990s, um, around the same time as Stone and some of the others. And they built a cult following with their Sculpin IPA. That won a lot of awards at the Great American Beer Festival. And it sort of put them on the map. Um, so they were bought out for a billion dollars in 2015, which was the highest priced um, buyout in history so far for any brewery. But they're still making good beer, <laughs> even though, you know. So even though they're corporate beer, it's good corporate beer. You got it. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, there really wasn't any alcohol at all on the Disney properties. And now they're realizing that adults come here by themselves now and people want to have a drink, you know, and, and do more adult oriented stuff. So you're seeing a lot more alcohol across, I think, all the, you know, not just here in downtown Disney, but in Disneyland and Disney World in general. That's a great point. Although with breweries, um, they also allow for children to be there. And so that's why it's a good mix for the family-friendly environment because the adults can have a drink and they can still have their children with them as well. Coming up next is a real coup, uh, I think, for downtown Disney. We're walking towards Salt and Straw. So they're one of the high-end, like flavor-rich, gourmet ice cream shops that have been coming in in recent years. Uh, Salt and Straw started in Portland, Oregon, uh, and it, uh, they're known for also their unique ingredients. So you'll get uh, ice cream that has olives in it or goat cheese or bacon. Well, I guess bacon's more common now, but it's a real interesting kind of savory mixes. But Salt and Straw, um, 
All of their locations always have lines outside. I know I was here. Right now, there's not a huge line, but I was here last night, and there was a line all the way down the side, like very, very popular. And it's perfect for, for downtown Disney because most people in America aren't going to have a salt and straw in their town. So they come here and get this opportunity to try something truly unique. You couldn't put a salt and straw in you know, middle America necessarily or small towns in America, but here in downtown Disney where all those people come, it's perfect. Many of the retailers here are um, third-party uh, operated, like a salt and straw, like a ballast point, but a lot of them are owned and operated um, by, by Disney itself. And the biggest one is, uh, I think it's called World of Disney. You know, if you were to consider this a shopping center, I think the World of Disney really is kind of like one of the anchors. Um, you know, I was here last night and it was packed to the gills with people who, you know, clearly had come out of the parks and didn't buy every piece of Disney gear that they, they wanted to get. So they were looking to get more. Yeah, it's almost as if Amazon doesn't exist here. You know, they need to get it and they need to get it here and they'll never have the opportunity again. <laughs> Well, that's what's so great about, you know, like vacationers is it's all about the impulse purchase. You know, they don't have plans. So we're down at the end as we're walking towards La Brea. There's a bunch of kiosks. We're walking. Oh, smell those churros. Oh, delicious. Yes. I love churros. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, Disney in general has this reputation for its churros. They're, they're good, right? But they're just churros. I think it's the smell. When you have that cinnamon smell wafting through the park, it just... It evokes your childhood, especially if you've been here over and over and over. You know, the olfactory sense is really strong, and that's what evokes childhood memories. So if you have the churros, that's what brings you back. Even if you're not buying anything, it's just smelling it. It reminds you of a certain time in a certain place. We're now at uh, La Brea Bakery, and we've already reached the other end of downtown Disney. And this kind of spits you out into uh, a, a central area where on one side you've got the entrance to California Adventure, on the other side, you've got the entrance to Disneyland. So a lot of the folks that shop here are clearly people who are coming to or going from one of the two parks. Anaheim has the highest daytime population from any city in Orange County. The daytime population here is about 455,000, and there's really only about 200 to 300,000 people who actually live here. So there's a lot of draws here that other parts of Orange County don't have, and I think that helps feed into the retail environment here. The Disney parks aren't the only ones that have built adjacent shopping centers. In 1993, Universal opened the first Universal City Walk. That's adjacent to Universal Studios in Hollywood. Since then, they've built an expansion to that original City Walk, and they've also built other ones in Orlando and Japan. There's a perception that these shopping centers are meant solely for tourists, and I think that's true to a certain extent, but I've heard from many locals in Los Angeles and Orlando who like to shop there as well. I have so many friends and family that come here on a regular basis. They don't care about the crowds. Um, I'm a little agoraphobic. I don't like the crowds, but other, it doesn't seem to be an inhibitor for anybody else. Plus, a lot of people have the year-round annual pass, so they come. They, sometimes they'll come for a few hours during times that are less heavy, and so then they'll do their shopping also during those times. But people, the real seasoned people, they know how to navigate this area without any trouble. All right, so Adina, uh, I have to ask you, what's your favorite ride at uh, Disneyland? 
I like, well, they closed it. I used to like the Michael Jackson one the most. Oh, Captain EO, yeah, the 3D adventure. That was my favorite. I'm a big fan of Michael Jackson. But right now I like Pirates of the Caribbean. And I like It's a Small World, even though it's like, you know, clearly like 1960s animatronics. But I love, I love the feeling when you go through it. They have in the world of Disney shop, they have a t-shirt that says, I conquered It's a Small World. You know, like they'll have for roller coasters. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's not hard to conquer, but it's a, it's a good feeling when you're done. <laughs> yeah. I conquered sitting in a boat for 15 minutes. Right, right. Test your skills of patience, tenacity, perseverance through it all. <laughs> all right. Well, Adina, thank you so much for joining to me today. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having me. These shopping centers are attached to theme parks, which are huge traffic drivers, but they can't rest on their laurels. They have to keep reinventing what they offer in order to be fresh and new. Disney Springs in Orlando is leading the pack in that endeavor right now. They did a three-year renovation, added 150 new stores, two new parking structures, and they doubled the retail square footage. Um, They brought in a bunch of new exciting uh, bars and restaurants, and the design It's out of sight. Uh, The Imagineers came up with an entire fictional town history that drives the theming of the design of the entire project. These centers have to continue to add new tenants to the mix and offer new experiences. What do you think about shopping at theme parks? Tell us about it. Leave a message on the Where We Buy hotline and we'll use your voice on an upcoming show. Just give us a call at 602-633-4061 and be sure to tell us your name and where you're calling from. I've got a few speaking engagements coming up and if you're going to be there, let me know. I love meeting up with listeners in person. I'm going to be in New Orleans April 16th through the 18th for the Food for Thought conference. It's uh, all about food and beverage and its intersection with real estate. And then um, the Octane Technology Innovation Forum in Newport Beach, California. I'll be there speaking about the future of retail, and that's May 13 and 14. I recently had a walk through downtown Philadelphia, checking out the latest in retail there with my friend Paige Jaffe. We recorded the whole thing, and it's going to be an upcoming episode of Where We Buy. You don't want to miss it. Subscribe to Where We Buy on the iPhone podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to the website. It's wherewebuy.show. Of course, retail is a visual medium. So we post videos of a lot of our retail travels. If you want to see them, the best place to do it is on LinkedIn. Just go uh, on LinkedIn and search for James Cook, J-L-L, and uh, click follow, and uh, my new stuff will come up in your feed. Our theme music is Run in the Night by The Good Lords under Creative Commons License.
Thank you.